Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm super excited about my new friend and our special guest, Julie Halunga. Julie, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. This will be fun. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to learn more about you and how we can learn to build social capital through some of the things that you're going to share with us. Before we get started, will you tell us just a little bit about you and what you do? Give us just a little bit of, of your kind of info. Sure. So I'm a leadership trainer and executive coach working with professionals to develop as leaders who, who lead with influence and authority and really help them lead with ease is how I look at it. So many of my clients are within the professional services or IT space, and they were never taught these skills that they that really those soft skills that we all need to lead. And they often say to me, I, I just want to practice law or I just want to practice accounting or I just want to do my IT stuff. Do I really have to do all this other stuff? And 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 that's where I come in, basically. And really helping them make their lives easier and, and lower their stress and be able to do what they love to do because they have honed these skills. So they avoid less conflict and they communicate more effectively and they just are more effective in their jobs as a whole and then they rise in their careers and it's easier for them to lead uh, i started my career um, in boston working at harvard university in their capital gifts fundraising group and met some fascinating people quincy jones al gore madeline albright and was just blown away by these really impressive yet very down-to-earth people. Um, and a couple after a couple of jobs in fundraising departments at different universities and schools, I moved over to Boston College where I was working at the Center for Corporate Citizenship and really delved deep into the idea of, of employee retainment and advancement. And uh, this will date me, but at the time we did what we called teleconvenings which were really the precursor to webinars where I could have 30 people on a session at a time. Um, it seems so removed from, from right now, but from that, I um, took a job at Harvard Business School that really reinforced the work that I'm doing now. And through that job, I was working on an initiative looking at women in the workforce and basically the infrastructure that wasn't in place for them to advance in their careers and to, to bring more women into leadership roles. And that is one of my focus areas and areas of expertise now. And I love that role and really helping people, these, these stellar women who had graduated, you know, setting the world on fire and were holding themselves back. So it was confidence issues, it was a lack of skill, it was just an inability to influence those people around them. And uh, through that, took some other jobs and realized at a certain point in my life that I really love these conversations with the individuals and, and sort of being on this journey with them and, and helping them build the skill, get out of their own way and really soar in their careers and, and gain clarity in, in what it is that they were 
going after. And I, I really have loved this work, which I've been doing now for almost 10 years, starting my own practice and, and have absolutely loved uh, this interaction with, with my clients. Wow. Well, congratulations. 10 years. That's a great run. Uh, yes. how, did, how did you tell us a little bit more? How did you transition into something that you were doing on your own? Yeah. So it's funny, you know, we all have those pivotal moments in our careers. And I was, we had just moved to Denver for a couple months and uh, I'd finally gotten the last kid off to kindergarten. And I was of course then struck with that stomach bug and a couple other health issues going on. I had my leg in a, in a brace. I had um, torn my Achilles and and I was lying in bed just feeling awful and thinking to myself, what am I doing this? You know, I love the people I was working with and I liked the work that I was doing, but I felt like I could be doing more. And all of a sudden I had more time on my hands having two kids in school full time. And I just thought about, you know, what is it that I love to do on a regular basis and, and sort of talk to my, talk myself and have that conversation with myself that I was having with the alumni at Harvard Business School or, or my, the, the people that I was working with at the time and really talk myself through that conversation, you know, in, in the middle of, of throwing up because I had the stomach bug, but um, really thinking that through. And what I realized was I loved the conversation that, that I was having with driven professionals. And I thought, okay, I can do this full time. I can really help people. And also I thought a lot about what I didn't have in my career at different points that, that I felt held me back, whether it was in the beginning or when I was pivoting towards managing people, sort of going from being an individual contributor to leading a team and what resource I didn't have and what I knew I didn't know, but was too chicken to ask for help. Um, and so I, I really thought about that. And, and in this moment, I called my boss at the time and said, hey, I just realized I want more. And, and this is what I'm thinking about. And she put me in touch with two for three different people to talk to and within six weeks I started a coaching certification program and that was really it just soared from there and you know everyone it, it gets narrow and narrower in terms of the niche that I'm working with and the skills that I'm teach teaching them but it really I think for all of us once we really understand what gives us energy it's so much easier to talk about what it is we do i think everyone starts off a business by casting this really wide net because we're afraid of saying no but i found it really empowering when i got to that pivotal point of being able to say i don't like doing that kind of work here's someone who's who would be great for you and um sort of going from there Wow, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. I mean, I know it's not been recent, but that's a big leap. And when you start to see that you have this passion for something, I, I loved how you said, like, what gives you energy? Because I think as we look at it, whether it's, you know, being outdoors or working with numbers or with people, it's like understanding and identifying what it is that does that, what makes us feel alive is yeah. so key in really being able to be passionate and be present in what it is that we're trying to do and contribute to, to society and to the community around us. Yes, completely. You, um, you mentioned about how um, you realized that like part of your journey had to do with looking at what was missing, like what you maybe hadn't had or what you wish you had had. And as you kind of work with people now, do you use that as a tool of helping them identify where they go from there is really looking at what's missing right now? Yeah, and it's a little bit of, you know, as people progress in their careers, they, they 
their comfort is usually what they've been really successful with. And they, and they keep wanting to go back there, but they have to let that go. And so think, helping them think through what they could be doing, what they maybe should be doing. I hesitate to use the word should, but, um, but really what they could be doing to make their own jobs easier, make their team that much more successful. And obviously then the success of the organization is, is going to be impacted, but really helping them think through like, oh, I love doing this. I don't really love this. Okay, so what could we, what can you do around that? Can you delegate that work? Is it something that you just don't want to do and you're just going to delete it? I mean, I, I look at this like from the four Ds, like you just do that task and, you know, we can't love every single aspect of our job or is it something you can delegate? Is it something that you're going to delay? Like, I'm going to do this, but you know what, this isn't, today isn't the day I'm going to do it. Or is it something that you're just going to delete? Like, I'm just not going to do it. And that really helps people understand how they can manage their own energy, like we were talking about before, and and understand, okay, this is something that's going to drain me a little bit, but I can bookend it with things that do fuel me. So if I have to do something that I don't necessarily love, you know, I'm going to do something I do love that energizes me first, then something that drains me, and then I'm going to fill up my bucket again with something that energizes me. Oh, that's great advice. That's a great way to approach things that we don't really love to do. <laughs> when, when you are talking with people and you're coming into this situation, where do you kind of start your conversation when it comes to, you know, working with leadership and, and helping people understand how to be good leaders? Yeah, yeah. So if it's, you know, I, I, I think about it, you know, we're talking about social capital and relationships. I think about always asking questions, right? So, so often people just want to talk about themselves. And what I try to keep in mind is I know that when someone asks me questions and I've now tested this and done the research, people, when they're asking me questions, I walk away from that conversation like, wow, that person was so engaging. I really love talking to Sarah. She asked me all these great questions. And we make the mistake too often of just wanting to talk about ourselves for a whole conversation. So if you're at some networking event, maybe if you're lucky, you get five minutes, 10 minutes with someone. When we ask people questions, they feel so good about their interaction with us. They walk away thinking, I want to continue that conversation. So I always think about what are the questions that I can ask of the other person. So a lot, you know, yeah, you're going to ask about what is it that you do, but I, I take that a little bit further. And I, I like to ask people sort of what are the most exciting things you're working on. So a great example of this is I was working with an attorney and so I wanted to prove this to her, how, how it worked. And so I said to her, you know, what is it that you do? And she gave me sort of this canned answer. And then I said, okay, what's the most exciting thing that you're working on right now? And she told me the most hysterical story that one of her clients was a, um, a clinic that performs vasectomies. And so, you know, just the, like, I just felt that we got to know each other better as a person because we just laughed so hard about, well, how do you talk about that? And what are the kind of challenges that kind of clinic deals with? And, you know, and then of course, all the jokes that come along with that. And so really helping people understand another client of mine um, shared that he, also an attorney, that he um, was representing the, um, how do I say this politely? The, um, semen of a bull and it was a prize fighting bull or something anyway there was a lot of value in this and that 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 
you know, that that was what he was doing. And again, it really just helps you understand who that person is so that there's more of a real connection as opposed to, so what is it that you do? I mean, that's just sort of right. The energy just kind of goes down. So really helping people think through what are some interesting questions that you can ask people? I mean, in normal summertime, you know, I would be asking people what kind of vacations are they taking? You know, what, where are their kids in school? If they have kids, have they been here in Colorado? We talk about, you know, sort of hiking or skiing in the wintertime or um, things like that, but really trying to get to know the person by asking deep questions. When you, when you present that to your team or to your counselor, you know, your, your coaching, what do you call them? Your clients. Your clients? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, your clients, you know, do you find that there's certain things that they're more resistant to, or do you find like there's kind of, how do you, how do you see people responding when you try to teach them leadership? Yeah. So it's usually, I just want to do what I was trained to do and I don't want to do this. I've gotten clients say to me, can't you just do it for me? You know, if they, if they have to have a difficult conversation with someone or give someone feedback, Julie, you, you just go do it, which as they get to know me, they know that's never going to happen. Um, so there is sometimes some resistance. What I find though, is that the tools that I teach them are simple, but not simplistic. So that they have, for instance, tomorrow I'm doing a training for a client and one of the piece of the training is around giving and receiving feedback. So for each of those, whether it's giving or receiving, it's a four step process. So it makes it easier for them to know how to start those harder conversations or, um, to do things that maybe they're a little resistant to do. You know, a lot of my clients want to avoid conflict. They just want to run away with it. They want to sweep it under the carpet. They just don't want to deal with it. But when I give them some distinct points, hey, here are three steps of how to deal with conflict, it, it kind of calms them down a little bit. They're less resistant and they're more willing to, to kind of have that conversation and also knowing that I'm going to ask them about it. I mean, it's sort of like going to the dentist, you know, they're going to say to you, have you been flossing? And I have now figured out that when I say yes, and I haven't been, they know that they can <laughs> tell through my lie. <laughs> so, um, so there is that power of reporting back and knowing a lot of my clients say to me that I, that I become a trusted advisor to them. So they know I'm going to have this hard conversation. I can plan ahead, which I highly recommend with Julie. Um, and then I can debrief it with her as well. So that really helps them kind of give them that nudge to go do it. Yeah, I can imagine how that would be helpful. And just having someone that kind of can help, you know, clarify the steps in this, those processes. I think sometimes, and it seems like with CPAs and attorneys and, and kind of that driven people checking things off the list or having like right. a plan of action can be, can help keep that overwhelming kind of sense from being, from being as, as, you know, kind of, I don't know, it can be when you don't know what you're up against or how you're supposed to do it, it can totally be overwhelming to not have some kind of things to tick off as right. far as how you complete that, that process. And right. um, so when you, you know, I'm just so interested in your leadership coaching because I feel like today, you know, there are so many different types of leaders and it seems like really the ones that are emerging as um, kind of the best in the business are the ones who have high emotional intelligence scores. Totally. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. And certainly I was reading a, a piece this morning talking about, you know, what, what our workforce is going to look like 10 years from now and how is artificial intelligence going to change our workforce? And, 
everything that I read about is emphasizing you know, empathy and self-awareness. I mean, everything around emotional intelligence. And so my, my sense is when, I, when my clients say, I don't want to do that stuff, that stuff is everything that they need to really focus on. Because there may be aspects of their jobs that may be taken over by AI or, or consultants or freelancers. So how do they really make sure that they stick and, and have a lasting impression is that piece of, of emotional intelligence. So one of the things that I do with all of my clients is I use a psychometric assessment tool called Emergenetics, which is phenomenal. And it works with, it looks at how people prefer to think and behave. So it doesn't stereotype people. It doesn't put people in a box and it really helps people understand who they are and where, you know, as we were talking about a few minutes ago, where their energy is, like what fuels them and what drains them and helps them to then understand who they're working with. So even if they don't know someone else's profile, there are things that they can pick up in terms of their behaviors and do they need to think to process or their internal process or, or do they need to talk things through their external processors? You know, what pace they like to operate on, how quickly they will come about to change. There's so many different aspects. And what I've seen is that when people understand each other, like themselves and each other, as a team, they operate so much more effectively because they, they understand, oh, this is going to push her button or this is going to really help her excel. I'm going to give her the information that she needs. So I call this the titanium rule, which builds on the golden rule. Uh, but it, the titanium rule is speak to others the way you, they want to be spoken to. So give them that information that they need so they can excel. And so thinking through, you know what, this person is pretty structured. They need to know the process. They need to know the guidelines. They need to be prepared in advance more so than some other people. So give them whatever it is that they need to hear. And that's what I really see the future of leadership. And when we're talking about emotional intelligence, it's really understanding each other. So you have that self-awareness, you're able to show empathy when you understand yourself and you understand others. Yeah, that's so huge. Thank you for sharing. And it's so interesting because I think we've had conversations on this show before about how really being able to connect with others comes from being able to know yourself and that vulnerability on authenticity of who we are so that then we can reveal that and be open to that in our exchanges with other people. It is, it's yeah. truly, it's just so important how it, it all really starts with us and our ability to connect with other people. And then it comes from then beginning to learn about them and responding to what we find out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And sort of listening with intention as opposed to wanting to reply. They're really, what is really going on? What are you really saying? Paying attention to body language and that kind of thing. In your training, what do you find are like sort of the biggest leadership challenges? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. One is, as I mentioned before, avoidance of conflict happens every time. I joke around that people get a lot of cardio from uh, all the avoiding of conflict that they do because they just run away from it. Uh, kind of similarly is around feedback, both giving it and receiving it and being open to receiving it. Um, I would say for women, although I see it in men as well, is a piece around confidence and being willing to sort of 
put yourself outside your comfort zone because when we're in our comfort zone, we, we're not going to grow. We're not going to learn. But if you go into discomfort, I'm not saying go into panic mode. When you go into this happy, somewhat happy space of discomfort, you're able to learn. So we talk through that. I talk certainly about leading a high performing team and what that includes. And part of that includes, you know, unfortunately, a little bit of conflict around what I call pruning the rose bush and getting um, and really thinking through what, what do I need to do to make this team succeed? Um, we talk about uh, resilience and grit, which certainly right now in 2020 is something that's really important. Um, I'm thinking through all of the, the tactics. You know, the training I'm doing tomorrow is really around, uh, it's, you know, we've, we've called it leading through the pandemic, but it's really about um, listening, truly listening. And we talk through the three stages of listening and talk about how do you ask qualify, uh, questions that really unveil that what's really important. and and this idea of like, you don't need to fix everything. I think as leaders, we think, oh, I got to fix it all. But in fact, if, if leaders can think to themselves that they are a resource and can be there for someone, but don't have to come in and fix it, that that really helps people in the long run. That's huge. That That's so helpful and great advice um, or insight into just sort of the struggles. I think all of us on whatever level that we might be leading, whether we have a huge team or we're just a one-man show leading ourselves, uh, can definitely see that those can be challenges and, and sort of hang-ups that we can get caught in ourselves. When you when you talk about COVID, um, and you, you said it pretty quickly right after the grit and tenacity that's yeah. required, um, what do you see, how do you see this impacting and what can people be doing, whether they're leaders or just individually, to overcome some of what may be trying to happen through COVID that's not so positive? Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, a couple months ago, I would have, like, right at the beginning of COVID, it was all about use this time and learn a new task and try something new. And, um, and now I would say it's much more about staying present. And sometimes, I will admit, I get sick of hearing that. Um, but when, when I talk about being present, it's just when you're connecting with someone, that's what you're doing. You're just doing that one thing. And I got two teenage kids at home, and I would say that if I can just focus on them, even if they're bugging me um, and asking me for money, um, you know, <laughs> if I can just focus on them, it really has much more of an impact. Like it just, it feels better to everyone yeah. when you feel that, well, this person really truly cares and it's not just sort of, asking what they think they should ask. And so I see that is really staying focused on that one thing. So if it's in a conversation, it's staying focused on that person. If you are doing a particular task, and I would say this is even when you're not dealing with COVID, but even more important now is just try to stay focused on that one task. So don't, you know, turn off the notifications on your phone, on your tablets, on your computer so that Every time an email comes in, you're not distracted by that notification. Really just try to focus on something. A lot of the research shows these waves of activity within your brain, and it really shows sort of this wave of 90 minutes, kind of you think of the start of the wave to the end of the wave, and the peak is about you know halfway at 45 minutes. So your energy is increasing, and then at 45 minutes, you start to 
lose some energy, lose some focus. Now I've worked with people and we, we figure out kind of the prime time of the day to do some hard tasks. And I've worked with my clients to think what's the best time to do that deep thinking work? What's the best time of day to do your administrative stuff? So what I'm finding is during this time where people are less connected to one another because they can't just walk down the hall and see one another or go get a snack or go get some water and just connect for a few minutes, that it's even more important to pay attention to those natural rhythms that you have. So for me, for instance, I know my prime deep thinking work is from 7 to 10 a.m. I also know around 3 o'clock in the afternoon I take a dip. So that's oftentimes when I'll do something like this with you, Sarah, because this is really energizing for me. And, and so I come out of this like, okay, now I can do some more deep thinking work. Um, but it also might be, if I'm not having a conversation with someone, it might be where I do that administrative stuff because although it might be annoying and I don't love it, it's not deep thinking work. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's really important for people to pay attention to their own kind of energy points in the day and knowing and, and cutting themselves in slack. I mean, this is, as a girlfriend said to me yesterday, everyone is affected by COVID and, and just knowing how am I being affected, even if, you know, I have a job and it's going well and, you know, there might be something else that you're missing out on and, and paying attention to that. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, thank you for sharing. I was just about to say cut ourselves some slack because that's exactly right. It seems that, you know, and, and even if we're not, I, I was talking to someone today and they said, you know, I don't know that we'll see the mental health and emotional health that is, you know, things that are happening to those during this, it may be once we're out of this that we can look back and see, even it, even like you said, for the people who still have a job and are still functioning somewhat normally, there are these stressors that are happening that we have never encountered before. And, um, you know, I'm curious as you are looking like in the essence of social capital, how do you see social capital being built or even maintained during this time where we really don't have the same kind of interactions that we have in the past? Yeah, well, what, the advice that I've been giving my clients for the last five months has been really focusing on the existing relationships. So maybe it's dormant clients or colleagues you haven't spoken to in a while or people you went to graduate school with. And it might have been it might have been eight or 10 years that you've been in touch with them. But this is a great time. You have this excuse to reach out to people. And so I'm really focusing on what normally I would call the low hanging fruit. Um, where can I add value? You know, what are, so, so some advice I've been giving to, to my clients and I've certainly been doing myself is what's something that you could easily do to create value to share with your network? So it might be creating a one pager of tips. It might be delivering a half hour webinar to a team that brings them together so they feel connected and you're facilitating a discussion or you're delivering some content. Um, for a lot of the attorneys and accountants I work with, it's any legislative changes that might affect them. Certainly PPP loans, my CPA clients are all over that adding, you know, value. Similarly, the attorneys are too for small businesses or businesses who have taken PPP loans. What do they have to keep in mind when it comes to their employees? Um, and then also thinking about, you know, just what is it that I want to help people with? So if you're leading a team, and you have people all over your city or maybe even all over the country or one of my clients has colleagues he leads a team of 50 plus people all over the u.s in edmonton in sweden in india 
how is he adding value to them? And the feedback I hear over and over again is how surprised, and this makes me laugh, how surprised people are when they reach out to someone just to check in and say, hey, how are things going? How is it having the kids at home? How is it with, you know, trying to make it personal that they're blown away by the response. And it was an email that maybe took them 30 seconds to write, right? So just thinking about, just reach out to someone, pick up the phone, send a quick text, you know, a Slack message, whatever it is to make someone know that you're thinking about them and how powerful that is in terms of connection and saying to them, is there anything I can do to help you out? You know, like one of my clients shared with me that finally one of his employees shared that, you know, she was so used to her setup at the office. She had her two monitors, she had a specific chair. So he arranged to have a two monitors sent to her home. Aww. You know, it was no big deal. Um, you know, so I've heard things like that. I've heard things, um, one of the companies I'm working with, they have a women's initiative. So they randomly uh, pair people together and they, then they organize a virtual walk. So it's 30 minutes, they, they have to get up and walk. So um, earlier on, I know that for some places there was a snowstorm once COVID hit. And so a woman got on her, um, her treadmill and walked with a colleague. And so introducing people that had never met before, they were active, which was key in terms of the, the health of the brain, you know, getting movement and connecting with someone like that. I've heard, I had another client who just told me last week, they have a monthly team meeting. Normally it's over lunch. She ordered Grubhub for all of her employees and had it sent to their house. So there's, there's so many ideas out there of, of things that you can do. And in terms of, you know, I know everyone went through a sort of a Zoom fatigue. So I have shared this, what my client did in terms of walking. It's something that I'm doing with people instead of reaching out and saying, hey, you want to hop on Zoom? I'll say to them, hey, let's go for a virtual walk. And I have two this afternoon that uh, I'll be running. So, or walking, I'm not going to run with them. But um, <laughs> You know, just thinking through some creative ideas of how to keep that relationship strong. And sometimes it's just staying in touch with them and sharing something of interest that you've seen that you think they may enjoy. Yeah, that's awesome. So on the virtual walk, you're both in your own neighborhoods going for yeah. a walk, but you're on the phone or something? Is that yeah, how it works? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. and I know for some of people who, if I know them well, I'll say like, I'm going to walk my dog. You walk your dog too. Like, and yeah. um, they really, it, it really, it's funny. You just get to know them a little bit more. And in terms of business development and social capital, like when you get to know someone more, you're able to help them more. You're able to be a resource for them. You know, I was talking to one woman and she was talking about that. She's used this time to really rethink her business. And one of the things she wants to do is, to join a board. So I was able to offer her a couple different resources about, you know, perfecting your skills to be a, a desirable board member and then connecting her with different organizations who I know are looking for board members. So just being able to understand what people are doing with their time and how you can help them. And, and most of the time I say, hey, how could I help you? Who can I introduce you to? I mean, this is, we're not talking about brain science here. These are easy questions to ask. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's huge. I mean, that's one of my favorite things when I go to a meeting or when I meet with someone. It's like before that meeting ends, I just always am aware of the time because I want to make sure I leave a few minutes to ask them, like, what can I do for you? Who would you like to meet? How can I have an impact? And it's so fun because even if the meeting was about to wrap up, it's like there's something in that that creates a new a new excitement or a new energy when they start to share about those things. And I usually will say it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter if it's professional stuff, if there's just anything in your life that I could be connected with or getting support of you um, on, you know, what, it, what would that be? And, um, and it is, it's just so fun to see how you can go deeper and how you can start to really understand and know people on a whole new level when you're willing to ask them about some of the ways that you can impact and, and have a help of what they're, what they're going through or what they're dealing with. Totally, totally. And just having that perspective of what can I do for you as opposed to, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is, from my perspective, is looking at networking like what can I get? What can they do for me? And just having that shift in perspective has a huge impact. Absolutely. And, you know, it's an interesting thing, I think, during this time and during, you know, times where things kind of tighten down a little bit, people pull back. And a lot of times I think there's this opportunity to sort of say, well, maybe I don't need my business development or maybe I don't need to be out networking or prospecting. And, you know, but it seems like during this time is when we need it more than ever. We need someone out there being sort of the face of our company or or if we're the company and we're the face of our company that we're out there doing that. Because it is, like you said, people are open because they're sort of starved for that affection and that attention and that connection. Then now it seems that you might get a 20 minute phone call with someone who you can hardly get them to answer your phone your phone call earlier. Totally, totally. And, and what I have found is, saying to people you know i won't take more than 30 minutes of your time then they, they're like oh okay i can do that <laughs> so, yeah 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 that's really a, a good a good uh, way to to kind of preface the time that you're asking for so that people don't yeah. feel like they're going to be taken you know more than they have to give so that's right that's yeah. right so are you reading anything or listening to anything watching anything that you think is valuable that you'd like to share with us Yes, well, I have so much. So professionally speaking, I'm reading a book called Own the Room, which is really thinking about leaders as a whole, how they can influence the people around them. And so it talks about confidence and speaking up and articulating what it is you want. And um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I've been binge watching a couple of shows. Um, I just listened to a podcast that I thought was fantastic called Guru, which is all about um, uh, James, I'm totally blanking on his, on his name, but he was the author of The Secret. And just, I don't want to give anything away, but it's just fascinating. And so it's called The Guru and, and it's just really interesting. Okay, awesome. Yeah. I just had to write those down so I can check those out. It's always yeah. fun. I, that's one of my favorite things about learning about the show is learning what people are watching, what they're listening to. And I've gotten yeah. some really good stuff by doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always like to understand if, if there's any sort of things that you feel like if people want to develop really strong social network or a really strong professional network, what do you think they absolutely have to be aware of or have to, you know, utilize in order to do that? Yeah, and I, I know I've said this, but I, I reiterate it because to me it's the most important thing. It's really thinking about building relationships and not superficially. We've all been to those networking meetings where you have someone who's just handing out cards and you're like, who is this person? 
but rather trying to make a connection so that when you go back to your office or they go back, they're like, oh yeah, Sarah, she has three bulldogs. Oh yeah, I totally remember who she is. Um, and you wanna make that connection. You do that by asking questions. And the other thing is that shift in mindset, right? Thinking about what can I do for you? I'm gonna be the one asking questions. I want you to be talking more than I am. So I try just to tell people, you know, if I was sitting on your shoulder with a small little stop clock that, you know, that person would be talking 75% of the time because you're asking questions. And what I know is when, when you're asking questions or you're helping someone out, sometimes it's immediately, sometimes it's a little bit down the road, they're gonna come back and say, hey, you have been so helpful. What can I do to help you out? And, and be confident that that's going to come. And it, it changes the conversation. It totally changes the game when you think about social capital. And from my perspective and everything I do, the biggest mistake I see people do is that they think about their network when they need something. So they're looking for a new job. They're building up a practice. They're starting a new business. And instead, if they thought about it more of a continuum throughout their career, I'm not saying you need to reach out to someone once a month, but even once a year or twice a year, it will have a huge impact. And I hear it all the time from my clients who a lot of times they get, they get to where they want to be and then they feel lonely at the top, right? It's a very common theme. And they don't know who to reach out to because they've let those relationships go. And so just thinking about, you know, really thinking about who is it that I want to keep engaged with. And, you know, I have some people who will keep a list and have reminders that they can check in with someone once a quarter or every six months or once a year. And it just is sort of this tickler of, hey, remember to reach out to Sarah. It's been a couple of months. And again, just, hey, and remembering like, oh, they have a kid going off to college or are they, you know, their, their parents live in New York. How are they doing with everything that's going on? You know, there are different things just, and just create that system for yourself. It's huge. And I was just going to ask you, do you have a system for that? Because there are, I, I know a few people who are so good at building connections. They make these introductions constantly. I mean, every few months I'll get a, a new like kind of flood of introductions and they always have the best, um, you know, introduction, like couple of sentences. So it's like, Hey, this is so-and-so. Here's a few things about them. Hey, this is so-and-so. And I'm yeah. always like, God, how do they do that? How do they keep everything straight? And I did finally find out that they have like a little folder for each one of those yeah. people. They have all the little stuff that they need to know every time they make an introduction and keep that updated. Um, and so do you have a system that you utilize to kind of do that? Yeah. yeah. And um, my CRM allows me to do that. So I can, you know, have notes in there of how I met the person. Um, I can also, I always ask someone to send me a couple sentences about them. But when I make an introduction, I try to be explicit about why I'm making the introduction, not just, I mean, because early on when I started my practice, I felt that everyone was introducing me to other coaches. And that was really useful in the beginning. And I got to the point where like, these aren't the people that I wanna meet. And so I was explicit about, here's who I'm looking to meet. Um, and so if someone just says, hey, you should meet so-and-so, but doesn't tell me why, that's where, you know, that's where I don't think it's as effective a, uh, an introduction. So when I introduce people, I say like, I, you know, I know that Sarah is looking for podcast guests or, and I know that you would be a great person to talk about X, Y, Z. Or for instance, I just introduced um, a current client and a former client. And, and I said specifically, you know, uh, Jane <laughs> is, 
doing this with her practice and is interested in X, Y, and Z. And so it was very clear then, here's what the conversation can start out with. And not that that has to be the whole conversation, but because, you know, we're all busy, we're all inundated with meetings. And so making it really clear to people, and it forces me to think, is this really a good introduction to make? Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, and, and then the person reading it can have a better understanding of why that why that introduction is going to be important exactly. or how it's going to be beneficial to both sides. Exactly. I love that. I love that yeah. idea. When you um you, when you kind of like think about the next generation or maybe it was yourself as a younger you, um, do you have advice that you think would be useful that you wish you would have known or that you'd like to share? Yes. Yeah. So. Um, one of the things that I think about a lot is to trust myself and put more faith in my own advice and what I think of myself as opposed to, we all have those naysayers out there um, who say, yeah, you're not going to be able to do that. And really trusting my own gut and maybe checking in with some people like, am I crazy or not? But, you know, not let, letting the naysayers be in the driver's seat is the biggest thing and and also even just going for it like not holding back as much if you find that you're someone who maybe struggles with fear or like you're in a situation where you're just sort of you have like you said like you knew you could do something you have this like dream but you're just kind of afraid to take that step what advice do you give people in that position um you know it's to, to talk it through so oftentimes if if it's one of my clients will talk through like, okay, what is it that you're trying to get to? Like, what's that ultimate vision of where you want to be, whether it's a year or five years or 10 years. And this, it's not the conversation of where do you want to be in five years? It's really delving a lot deeper. What's the impact you want to have? What are you doing on a regular basis? Who are you working with? And really defining that. And then making sure that the steps along the way are aligning and getting them to that place. Yeah. It's like a it's like, again, when you have those steps, it's not as scary sometimes. So I imagine having someone yeah. to help you walk through that and kind of outline those next steps, or at least make sure that there's a clear path that you're headed down, um, can help alleviate some of that fear of going down the path in the first place. Totally. And making sure it's the right path to go down. Like, is it going to get you what you want? Yeah. Or is this just a shiny object that you want to go after? Yeah, what's your why, as we hear a lot, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, which is hard to define. Oh, man, is it ever? I mean, some people, they just have their why and they know it. I tend to, like, have a general why, but then the specific why seem to be harder. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. Julie, it has been so wonderful having you here, and thank you so much for sharing yourself and your thoughts and insights with us. Is there anything that you are a part of or that you want us to get behind you and support you on? Sure, so I run a leadership development program for women and we meet once a month. The next program will start March of 2021. Hopefully we'll be in person, but I maybe not. Um, but um, it's called the Women's Catalyst Network. So it's womenscatalystnetwork.com. And we meet and build and hone those skills that we've talked about today and actually the final session we call relationship capital and it's really how do you develop your networks and keep your networks and really what we've talked about today um, so that it's a way that we kind of launch 
the women off on their own. And these are mid-career professional women who want more and they realize that they don't have exactly what they need in their back pocket to go after it. So we help them get there. This will be the ninth cohort in 2021 um, that we will have run. And I run it with a male colleague of mine, Evan Roth. And I started this program in 2016 and quickly realized I wanted a male voice in the room. And he and I are great partners and we kind of finish each other's sentences. So it's a, we love working together and everyone tells us it shows. So um, I would encourage people to check that out and we will be posting dates and accepting applications for 2021 shortly. Awesome. Well, we will have that information in the show notes below. So make sure that uh, you check that out and, and join Julie on that adventure. Um, Julie, again, I just so appreciate your time. And are there any kind of final thoughts you'd like to share as we wrap up? Yes. The, the biggest thing I would say is to focus on what you can control and try not to forecast too much, <laughs> especially in 2020. <laughs> I think forecasting has been, that's, I mean, I feel sometimes like I'm on a perpetual Groundhog's Day and I'm just totally. like, every day is a Thursday almost, you know, it's like, a, hey, what day is today? Thursday. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, um, and so I think that is, that is a big thing is learning how to not forecast too far out and to just stay mm -hmm. very present, like you said. Yes, exactly, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for being here and you've been um, such a pleasure and I hope to have you back and I look forward to seeing all that you kind of have in store for these next few months and these next few years. And um, thank you. Thank, yeah, thank you again, Julie. It's been a real pleasure. Yes, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.